This is the Publicity for Pet Businesses podcast with Rachel Spencer. Listen in each week for tips on ways to win media coverage and create content to make sure your pet business stands out from the competition. On this week's episode, I'm speaking to Rivka, who is the founder of Puppy Post, which is an online magazine and marketplace, and it's not just for pet owners, it's for pet business owners as well. So I've been following Rivka for a while, she launched in January, and in this episode she talks about what inspired her to launch Puppy Post in the first place, which is an amazing story about a little puppy who was left abandoned in a, in a car that had been written off, so you've got to listen to that bit. She also talks about how the magazine came about, how she single-handedly produces a 100-page magazine um, several times a year, and how during lockdown she decided that she would set up an online marketplace to support pet business owners who really were in despair as to what their future might hold when the country was turned completely upside down in March 2020. So I'm really, really excited about this episode. I think you're going to learn lots. You're going to learn about what she looks for a story, you're going to learn about how the marketplace has, involved, has evolved and how you can get involved as well. Um, and also about the lovely story behind her gorgeous pup, Jojo, who is a boy, by the way. Um, and all about, you know, what's inside the puppy post. So I hope you enjoy it. Um, and now for the main part of the show. So hi, Rivka. Thank you so much for joining me on the podcast. Can you tell me a little bit about you and puppy post? Hi, Rachel. Thank you so much for inviting me to come and join. Very exciting. Um, so Puppy Post started out originally because I was meeting puppy parents and I've always supported small and always liked shopping small so obviously it was a given choice that I would start shopping local and small for my own dog Jojo and by just conversing with lots of people in the parks I realized there's some fantastic stories both behind the puppy parents and also the items and the people selling the items that they were buying and sharing about. So I started out by sharing some more of the stories with other people and that evolved into Puppy Post the magazine, which then evolved into Puppy Post the marketplace, partially due to the love of small businesses, but predominantly the marketplace due to COVID. We needed a very fast way to adapt to shopping online and being able to just source things from the high street and from small crafters in one place. Fantastic. Okay. So um, I first came across Puppy Post, I think it was back in January. So just before um, the world was kind of turned upside down. So um, when was it that you kind of first launched the magazine, Rivka? So that actually was in January. I think we stumbled across each other right at the early days of yeah. Puppy Post. It launched, issue one came out on the 24th of January in true magazine editorial style right up to a deadline <laughs> it was kind of a last minute dash to get it out the door I had had the idea in the late this sort of November December and had so many amazing stories that I kept recounting to other people that I'd heard from other people so it just made sense to put it into something more of a formatted structure like the magazine I had been away working remotely, so stuck hauled up in a hotel room in the evenings. There's only so much TV you can watch. So I landed up playing around with these magazine pages and just putting these stories together. And wow. it was really lovely chatting with people to ask them for a bit more detail to sort of put it into a context of a story. So it was less lonely working on my own, which is something I also hear a lot of with small businesses. It's quite a lonely space working just on your own, either at home or in a hotel room. So it was very early doors when we met. It was back in the January of this year. 
Wow. Okay. So just just turning a magazine round while you're you know on your own in a hotel room is pretty remarkable. Um, so can you tell me a little bit about your background then? Have you worked? Did you work in publishing before, or how did how did you kind of come to get the skills that you needed to put a magazine together so quickly? Well, here's the beauty of it: absolutely zero background in editorial or publishing or anything like that. And I do think the strongest skill set that I have seen for myself is always the skill of life. Mm -hmm. Things that challenge me, I either go and find out more on Google or I make it my business to find someone who knows or will give me five minutes of their time. And actually, generally, I've always found that people will give me a helping hand. And pretty much most of what you see for the magazine and for the marketplace, I've managed to teach myself through networking and people helping me. My background was originally in retail, so I understand the selling side of things. Mm -hmm. My original background was in gourmet food retail industry. At 17 years old, I'd been on holiday with my parents over the years growing up and always had a bit of a sulk when I got home that I couldn't get hold of the local delicacies that I'd quite enjoyed whilst being on holiday and decided that actually, why do you need to only get these things in airport departure lounges? Why can't we have them on the high street? And just before my 18th birthday, I opened my first high street shop with the help of some friends and family. And that shop actually is now three shops and it has actually subsequently been sold on. But the shop with my original name is still, all three of them are still there today, selling artisan and gourmet food sourced from all over the world. Wow. And what's the name of your shop, Rivka? It was my ex-partner's name. It was Mendy's. We opened it Mm -hmm. together at that point. And we wanted something fun and friendly. So we thought a name would be fun and friendly. I still actually supply them to this day with um, gourmet sweets that I source from all over the world. It's a bit of a passion of mine. I I do have a bit of a sweet tooth. So I'm always on the hunt for gourmet sweets. And so that's kind of how my understanding of sourcing products came from. Wow. No experience other than that. And then I evolved into going into the legal field, which was completely different from anything dog related and a very, very stark contrast between the worlds, which is why I adore the pet arena, the friendliness, the just the chatter. You don't need a reason to talk to someone else who has a dog other than the fact that you're both walking a dog. Whereas in the corporate legal world, no one says anything to anyone unless they're fighting over a court arena. (laughs) Oh my gosh. Okay. So it's quite a transition, isn't it? A very Um, big transition. And yeah, and absolutely hats off to you for being able to produce um, and, you know, create and produce and publish and get out there. um, You know, such a, such a great looking product as well. It's just amazing. I I never actually knew that that was the background of it, like you in a hotel room bashing away at a keyboard. So absolutely fair play to you. Um, So can you tell me a little bit about the magazine itself? Because I know, obviously I know probably both, but some people who might be listening might not have seen it so can you tell us about what's in the magazine and the kind of things people read and separate kind of elements of the magazine so from the from the puppy parent side to the pet business side can you explain a little bit about the background and how it all works I can so the actual visual of the magazine is something so different to what I ever would have put together for me myself I am quite corporate black white straight lines And it's such a different element to the magazine on the visual. It's very colorful and it's very fun. And that was something so different for me that it was quite, it was almost quite difficult even to look at it at the beginning when it was putting itself together. But 
that is the beauty of the puppy world from my understanding it's very friendly it's very fun it's very vibrant and I wanted the magazine to reflect that the first half of the magazine is where I love to feature these amazing stories about puppies and their parents so many of the pups that I spoke to just in the parks either the way they'd landed up having their forever home or the way they interact with their siblings or some volunteer work that they do or just down to their amazing collections of bandanas that they have. <laughs> I wanted to be able to just share these beautiful little stories that were being told to me because they were just really fun and uplifting. And I always think when someone gifts you with a story, it's your duty almost to share that story on again. Things are so sort of fast in this world that we're in now. You know, you send a quick message and it's kind of gone a few hours later. I wanted something that would kind of get retold and reshared. Combining that with hearing the stories behind puppreneurs, people starting their own puppy businesses or running their own businesses, most people have a very similar experience. They didn't just wake up and say, I'm selling a dog-related product. It was either their dog that inspired them or it was something that had happened in their life that inspired them or they were running a separate side hustle at home to supplement their family income. There was always something more than just, hi, here's a product. And I think putting that in the magazine gives the beautiful balance between shopping for your dog, but also getting to know the puppy parents behind. And there's a real kind of flow between the two sections because most of the people who sell dog products are also dog owners. It was just a bit of a given for me to have that balance. Also, my passion is business. So if I can combine my two passions, Jojo and my puppy parent friends with my puppy parent business friends, it's just a win all in one place. So Rivka, the other thing that I really need to ask you about is Jojo, who you've just mentioned there, because I'm guessing from talking about the, you know, the way that you tell the stories behind the brand and the puppies behind the brand in puppy posts, that Jojo has got some kind of influence on what you're doing now, particularly with you going from working in retail, the gourmet food, to the legal field and being very corporate, to having a dog come into your life. So can you tell us a bit, little bit about Jojo and how he inspired puppy posts? Yes, I can. Jojo is the ultimate inspiration about Puppy Post. It, he is the reason that we are even here today. A um, little bit of background about Jojo. I was working in the legal arena very, very late one night. I was specializing in the post-accident management side of the insurance world. And I was working somewhere above a hangar where cars had been delivered after an accident. Yeah. And somebody was locking up the garage and found Jojo in a box <gasps> in an abandoned car. Oh my God. Sorry. So he was a tiny little thing in a little box. The car had been involved in what we think was a hit and run and it had been abandoned and brought to the pound there. Literally wow. dog impound in car impound. And I was the only female in the office. And there was a bit of a cliche moment where the boys downstairs thought, well, it's an animal. A woman will know what to do with it. And they came up to my office and said, you don't know what to do with an animal and put this box on my desk. Wow. I looked in the box and actually thought it was a hamster. He was mm -hmm. so tiny. So I tipped the box out and put this, what I thought was hamster on my desk. And actually it stood up and had little legs. And I thought that's definitely not a hamster. <laughs> So this was about 11.30 at night and I thought, right, what do you do with a dog? You take the dog to the vets. So I took Jojo home 
and left a voicemail at the vets who's our local high street vet and said, I've got this little animal. I will pop him into the vets in the morning. Took him over to the vets, had a chat with the vet. And he said, yes, he's a dog, not a hamster. Yeah. And he very much should not be away from his mummy. He's about three to four weeks old. Oh, wow. So I said, okay, okay, now what? So he said, oh, we'll call the warden and we will hand him over. And I said, oh, okay, do you think he'll be all right? And he said, no, probably not. He'll probably oh die. <gasps> so I said, well, why will he die? And he said, because he'll need syringe feeding and it's just not something that really gets done. And, you know, he just won't make it. So I said, well, how about I syringe feed him and when he's stronger, I'll bring him back to you and then you can ship him off to the warden. And he said, oh, well, I'd like to see you do that. He said, how are you going to keep a dog for sort of 12 weeks and then part with it? I said, oh, I'll be fine. I don't get attached to dogs. Five minutes later, there was no way I was not attached to Jojo. And I syringe feed him and I was looking after him. And because of that, I had to take time off of work to become an overnight puppy parent. Wow. And yeah, four years later, Jojo is still here. Oh, my gosh, that's an incredible story. Um, so did you leave your corporate job then because of Jojo? How did it all how did it all work? So I left my corporate job because the industry had taken a very different turn and it just wasn't viable in that sector anymore. I had a very niche sector and I was writing reports for the road traffic industry and that whole arena of no win, no fee claims had diluted the market. So yeah. my niche area suddenly wasn't so niche anymore. We'd gone the American way, you bump, you sue. So it was a very heavily flooded market and I was all over the country um, looking at car wrecks and it just wasn't a sustainable lifestyle. I was here, there and everywhere, hotel rooms and, now suddenly a puppy parent you can't really leave your dog at home and vanish for three or four days no I wanted to be more of a stay-home mum wow okay um so sorry I've gone off on a little bit of a tangent there but in the kind of interim between leaving your old job or leaving the, the insurance world and then setting up puppy posts was there anything that you kind of did in between what how did you how you know how did you and Jojo kind of stay together and, and everything in that interim period before you're having a magazine and all the everything that you've got going on now so I moved into consulting within my field. So I started working for myself. Yeah. And on the side, I started helping a few people on a consultancy level, just setting up their small businesses. Yeah. Wow. Okay. Okay. No, that's really helpful. I'm sorry I've gone off on a bit of a tangent there, but that's, that's such a okay. fascinating story. And I know anyone who's listening who, who wants to know more about Puppy Post will absolutely love that if they're as nosy as me. So... <laughs> Building on from that, then I want to know. So, as you know, a lot of the people who are in my um, who listen to the podcast and who are in my Facebook group and in my membership community have been in Puppy Post or they've approached you, um, and they've had some lovely um, coverage, which is fantastic. And you've explained kind of how it all works and how you like to either celebrate animal uh, dogs, so puppies and adult dogs. It's not just puppies, is it? In Puppy Post. Um, and then talk about the kind of pups and the, and the people behind the pet brands. So can you tell me a little bit about what you look for in a story when people are approaching you um, and kind of pitching to Puppy Post? Yeah, sure. So the most important thing that I look for is somebody who wants to work with us. Yeah. I always think if somebody is willing to sit down and write their story and share their photos, that's the first step for me. I want people who are passionate about their business and want to grow their business and want to share the story behind their business. Mm -hmm. I always make time for an email or a phone call 
And especially the one thing I do love is recommendations, because I think the power of working together, collaborations, looking out for each other, networking is always something very special. So that's another thing I always look out for. How have they even managed to find me? Is it a cold call or is it because they're chatting and helping other people and then helping themselves via helping other people? I always look out for that. And I also, the, the most important thing before publishing it into the magazine is if their ethos is in line with something I believe in. If okay. it's a product that is lovingly sourced, if it's a product that they know the whole chain of production, if it's something they're making at home, if it's something that is, you know, compliant, mm -hmm. as long as it's something I personally would buy myself or I would recommend to you to buy as a friend, I'm happy to put it in my pages. Okay. Um, so in a nutshell, you wouldn't kind of feature something that was mass produced in a, maybe, well, obviously not just in another country, but you want, you want those kind of kitchen table style businesses or people who've had a, had a light bulb moment, like for example, Julie with the dog gate and then has something very carefully sourced and um, ethically produced is what you're looking for when, when you're looking for people to collaborate with. Yes. I don't mind people who are mass producing as long as they have a handle and a piece of knowledge of every single stage of that production. Mm -hmm. I'd love to always say to people, you can buy this product because this product has come from a brand that understands their product. Mm -hmm. And if you spoke to the owner, there's no kind of missing gaps of, oh, well, I don't actually know where that piece came from. Let me find out for you. Mm -hmm. I love that someone understands their product or the ingredients or the reason why their product came together. I think it's so important because you're buying an item, but you're also buying somebody's dream and somebody's story. Yeah, no, that's a lovely way of thinking about things. It really is. Um, so my next question then is what, what you know, when somebody's pitching to you, you touched on it a little bit before, you want them to have done a little bit of research about the magazine and for them to have that, that kind of warmth behind the brand and that story behind the brand. But what would you say are the essentials of a good story or a good pitch for you at Puppy Post? The essentials of a good story, I always feel, is just being yourself and being mm -hmm. honest. I find anything too advertisement-wise, if people come and say, I'd like to take an ad out in your magazine, mm -hmm. that's not really the vibe I'm going for. If someone says, I'd love to talk to people about my brand and why I've done this and what I do, I find advertorials tend to introduce people to people. Mm -hmm. And I think that is the part of the story I really love. I want you to get to know the person because then you'll understand their passion. Then you'll understand why they've created the product. And then when you actually look at the product or look at the story or understand why they're sharing their story, you're already feeling more part of it. And a big part of what I want to create with Puppy Post is the community feel. Mm -hmm. I want to kind of have that chat in the park kind of vibe to the magazine. Okay, no, that's a, that's a great way of explaining what it is that you do, because, um, you know, like I say, I'm working with people, when I work with people, I'm trying to, get, people will sometimes come to me and they'll just say, I just want to talk about the product and what it does and the features and the advantages and the benefits. It's like, people don't want to hear about that. People want to know about the reason why you created your product, because your dog had a certain behavior or a certain condition, or you maybe had a health condition and that the love of your dog led you to create your brand. That's what people want to hear about, isn't it, Rivka? I know I'm preaching to the converted here, but I just it, want to uh, so just to really reiterate with you that that's I what we're looking it, for. I think it's that really simple fundamental that people often forget. People who like, know, and trust you will engage with you far better than if you shove a leaflet or a business card under their nose whether that's because you own a dog or whether that's because you own a business. If you're talking from experience and from passion, 
people will engage with that. Fabulous. Okay, so I wanted, I know we've had a chat before this podcast was recorded, but I wanted you to tell me about some of the pet business owners and and pet owners, I guess, who featured in Puppy Post, whose stories have really jumped out at you and have really, that have been really memorable and have really kind of touched you and your readers. Um, so are there any particular examples that you can share with the listeners um, of some fantastic stories that you've had in Puppy Post? Well, I think the first one that comes to mind, because we just spoke about it, is Julie and the Maxted family. Yeah. That was just such a lovely story. And this was also a very beautiful way that it evolved. I actually got a press release from Doggate from a PR team, which was a very factual press release. Here is a product. This is what the, the answer to your problem is because this is the kind of problem it's, it's, we're faced with. Dogs run out of doors. And I resonated because if I open my front door to receive a parcel, Jojo's in the next town. <laughs> So for me, it was a no brainer. And actually my mum had seen it on social media and had linked me in it a few days earlier saying, look, we should get you one of these so you won't be chasing Jojo down the street. Then I got the press release and it picked my attention because I, my mum had, had mentioned it. And I replied back and said, great product, fabulous idea. How did this come to be? Then I got Julie on the phone explaining about her husband and his line of work and how the whole idea had come around. And I was like, ah, this is the story I want to talk about. So I said, look, great. I'm very happy to put some of your ideas and why you've done this in the magazine. But I want to introduce people to your whole family. Your son works with you. Your daughter works with you. Your husband works with you. This is not just a dog gate. This is a family dream. This is a whole family coming together to work together. There's so much more to this press release than the press release. And before you know it, I've got photos of Julie and her family in my inbox. I understand her husband's old job and why this whole product came together. And here we are now explaining to the, to the whole arena of Puppy Post readers who this absolutely amazing pupreneur family are. It's not just the dog gate. You're now championing, supporting a family. Wow, okay. It was just a lovely way to introduce their product and them all at the same time. Then you go to the completely different side of the arena and you've got um, people who just are puppy parents and have the most fantastic pups that do amazing things from all the different people who've got pups who volunteer. Dougie the pug comes to mind. Kate Archer, who's the amazing owner behind him, she goes in and does the most amazing voluntary work with her pup. She understands how a dog needs to be treated when he's a working dog she has that very fine balance and she taught me how to balance you know my time between asking Jojo to pose for a picture and actually taking him out and allowing people to interact with him his needs always have to come first even though he's part of my brand I'm still a puppy parent I have to make sure I have that balance and she takes her dog into corporate events into hospitals so she made me really understand her side of the story as someone who has a, a therapy dog there's so many amazing people out there with these amazing stories and they're also happy to share their story. Wow, I know. Well, I know from doing, I've got a blog as well as doing the consulting that I do when it comes to um, getting publicity and, and working with people like yourselves and other newspapers and magazines. Um, and I spoke to Kate a couple of years ago, actually, and then we've met because she she has a property up in the northeast. So we've met a couple of times up here and she's just so lovely and Doug is just adorable he sends he sent um Tommy's girls some some cards at the beginning of lockdown just saying he was thinking of them and it was like oh my god that is so sweet she's just the most lovely lady isn't she it's so lovely and also just by sharing a story you create a friendship with someone yeah I totally I bumped into her whilst I was walking around at Crufts 
And you know, you, you share a moment because you've interacted together. Then you get to meet people face to face all of a sudden. And I'm seeing this within the chats that happen on social media. You post a photo and then people start communicating underneath. And before you know it, someone's saying, oh, I walk in that park or, oh, wow, I live around the corner from you. We can walk together. You make friendships out of what is just a very flat social media arena if you don't promote conversation. No, absolutely. So now that's really good to know. And, and two brilliant, uh, two brilliant ladies I think you used as case studies who I know as well. So thank you for choosing Kate and Julie. Um, so I know we've talked a lot about what's in the magazine and, and why it all came about and, and the, you know, the incredible bond that you have with Jojo and, and it being a celebration of just the amazing things that dogs bring to our lives. But I also wanted to talk to you about puppy posts and how it was affected by COVID because you launched in January and then in March, obviously the world was turned upside down with COVID. So can you tell me about how it affected Puppy Post um, and, you know, what you were going through in March when you had this new magazine and then the world was just turned upside down? Sure. So COVID, none of us saw coming. And <laughs> <that> I, again. <laughs> I was merrily working my way through Puppy Post issue one and issue two, which were around about the sort of 40 to 45 page mark. I was also busy with doing my business consultancy stuff in my normal arena on the side. So I had these two things going on. And then I woke up one morning to COVID as did the rest of the world. And suddenly I saw such an increase in social media messaging and emails. Lots of small brands were worried about sales. Most of them had side jobs, so had been furloughed or suddenly at home because their children were at home and were utilizing the time to really look at their small businesses. And they were reaching out to find out how they could get some exposure in the magazine. And I kind of gone from being this little email account that only was sort of getting 10, 15 emails a day to suddenly getting 40, 50 emails a day. Most of them had a common theme. I'm worried about my small business. I'm worried about providing for my family. I have another half who's also been furloughed and we have to sort of really up our income here. Can you help give me some exposure? And obviously so many people reaching out, 45 pages wasn't going to quite cut it. Yeah. So the magazine evolved into, I think the post the first issue that came out during COVID, I think we hit the 100 page mark which wow. was as much as my software would allow me to create. Otherwise I would have done more. I just didn't want to turn anyone away who was trying to help themselves. Yeah. So the pages just grew and the stories grew and I wanted to work with as many people as I could. Behind the scenes, and lots of people who follow me on social media will see, we were doing some Zoom meetings where yeah. I was helping other people network with each other to grow their businesses bigger and better. So you might see some collaborations between two brands. Mm -hmm. I don't really believe that there's competition. I believe that everybody has their own niche and their mm -hmm. own flair. So even if you're selling a similar product or have a similar business, you can always network with someone in the same industry. For example, on the marketplace we've now put together, a couple of people who sell stationery have come together to make a stationery gift gift box for Christmas. Mm -hmm. Some people who sell treats are doing a gift box of different treats. So you've got a few brands in one box. So before even the marketplace came around, people were reaching out for help, how to get their products out there, how to get their ex their brands exposed. Absolutely. Um, okay, so you've touched on it a couple of times there in, in, in the last answer, but can you tell me about the marketplace? Because again, um, I know that a lot of people who listen 
already are involved with Marketplace and Puppy Post because I see it on your Instagram. Um, but tell me, um, can you explain what the Marketplace is and how that all came about as well? Yes. So this is another prime example of business collaboration. I know someone who I'd worked with in the past who understands selling on a platform. They had done it in a different space for a different industry and had some understanding of this. And because I've always worked around kitchen tables with other mums and stay-at-home mums, you kind of share your expertise and you land up understanding a bit about their business and we'd work together with some consultancy staff. So I understood someone had knowledge of how to open a space for shared selling. So like I encourage everybody I ever speak to in small businesses, reach out, ask the question, what's the worst that can happen when you ask for help? Someone says, I'm really sorry, I don't have time to help you. You can ask someone else. So I reached out and said, look, I've been approached by lots of people who want to sell. I have this platform with the magazine. People are coming to me and looking at my pages. I need to help these people by selling. I need to give them not only a magazine, I need to give them a space to share their products. One of the biggest reasons people reaching out were because they had lots of items to sell that they had crafted in anticipation of trading at summer fates and Christmas fairs. And suddenly they're left with all this stock that's sitting on their table and the the fair they were going to exhibit it at had been cancelled. So for a small business, if you've laid out for a lot of fabric thinking you were going to trade at four or five summer fates and four or five Christmas stalls, you're now stuck. So it made sense to open an online market. It just was too many people asking for help, suffering for the same reason, losing tabletop sales. So what better way than to open a virtual tabletop market? Okay, so tell me exactly how the virtual tabletop market works then. So I'm trying to do my best to emulate as much as you would experience in a real Christmas market. So think about your typical church hall or school fates you as a stall holder would arrive there early with all your wares and you'd set up your tabletop. You'd speak to the person on the table next to you. You'd kind of have a chat about what your products are. You'd meet and greet. So that's why we opened the market to stall holders a month early and had these behind the scenes Zoom chats so people could get to know each other, say hi, talk about their products. We had a real kind of coffee morning experience behind the scenes. And everybody has what I call a market stall. So instead of having an empty table to lay your goods out, you have your empty profile. So you get to put your own little spin on that. So you get to put your bio and your your logo and tell people who you are. Mm -hmm. And then that blank table, you get to fill with your products. So they have a blank space. There's no limit or or maximum amount of products they can put on their virtual table. People get to load their product up there, tell you a bit about their product because over a tabletop, you would talk about the product. Mm-hmm. You get to tell your customer price. Obviously, there's the pricing space. Everyone tells everyone how much it costs. And over a Christmas tabletop, you would get to transact and take your own money. So everybody gets to put their products, name their price, and the money goes directly through to the seller. Puppy Post is literally providing the haul. We don't take the money. The sellers are taking their own money direct from the customer and handing the product over directly to their customer. Okay. Um, and how many people have you got involved with the, and this, so I, because I saw your Christmas fair back, I was actually, it's funny because I was doing a podcast about how we should be preparing for Christmas in July. And I think the day it went out, I saw your Instagram and you were talking about your Christmas fair and I was like, yes, she gets it. So um, tell us about how it works. So it started back in July and then are you going to have like a big push at Christmas or how does it, how's it all going to work? 
Yes. So I am a big believer because of my business structural side. I always believe that if you're a small business, you need to be working quarter by quarter and you need to be working a quarter ahead. So as a small business, you are thinking about Christmas at the beginning of the summer season. Yeah. As a small business, especially for the crafters, and this is something I really would love the puppy parents to take away from this. When you order a handmade bandana for your dog or a hand-knitted jumper, it doesn't get knitted overnight. Yeah. It takes time. And if you want your pup to be wearing that for Christmas, you want to be letting a small crafter know well in advance that you want to be ordering this jumper for your dog. So we have to think about planning as a small business a lot earlier than people who have products that are mass produced and are sort of flying off of shelves the day before Christmas. So it made sense to open this up earlier to help people learn more about the brands and also to learn more about the crafting element. These products are all handmade predominantly. So it was just a given that Christmas was coming early this year. Yeah, definitely. I think we, we needed something to cheer us up, didn't we? Um, I think we did. Okay, so how it works is they, they so they join, they sign up for the they sign up for the marketplace, and then they can then set up a store for the Christmas market. But that is currently open, and people can go and buy products if they people can pet, puppy parents can go and visit now and buy products if they want to now. And then I guess you're going to have a great big campaign later on in the year as we prepare for Christmas as well. That is correct. It's now open for shopping. Mm-hmm. There are lots of items that will be delivered immediately. Okay. And there are lots of pre-order items, which are the things I'm excited about. <laughs> Do you know what? I'm already wearing, as we speak, I'll show you at the end of the call because we've not got our cameras on, um, but I'm already wearing one of the Puppy Post Marketplace jumpers. I've got a scuffy little terrier jumper on um, as we chat, and I'm very much looking forward to her festive offering because she shared some photos with me the other day. So there's some great stuff in there. Go and check it out. Yes, especially you'll be seeing soon Michelle and I, but another great brand, Scruffy Little Terrier. We are in chatter behind the scenes about potentially bringing out a bit of an exclusive range. So that's going to be super exciting because not only will you get really comfy clothes and really lovely outfits, you'll also be able to support small brands and to support a whole concept of a community working together all in one item. Fantastic. Well, the other thing I got really excited about, another client of mine, Kim, who famously um, dressed the Prime Minister's dog last year, her Christmas collar range is out, isn't it? The, the famous Christmas pudding pattern. So I saw that the other day on Instagram, and I think that will be very popular again this year because she did, she did so well with that last year. It was just amazing. I think she had to go and go and like dig out, dig out some fabric from somewhere across the country because so many people wanted them. Um, so it's really exciting. I can't wait to see the marketplace. It is. Um, and you've just highlighted why we need to share the stories because yeah. anyone else they would just see a collar oh my gosh absolutely so each of these brands and there's so much more to the story about just the collar oh my gosh absolutely I know so much about Kim and Michelle because we're, we're I'm friends with both of them now um and yeah Michelle's a terrier mum and a blogger as well so I met her a few yeah. years ago through our love of well we had kind of matching terriers at the time um so I absolutely love the nail on the head there with that yeah word. you are friends yeah. And that's the beauty of all of this. We've become friends and the market store holders are all interacting and have become friends. It's really beautiful to be a part of such a lovely, lovely community. Oh my gosh. And at this moment in time, again, conversations I've had with both Kim and Michelle as well. We need to have some, we need to have people around us to keep us sane, don't we? It's been so difficult um, during lockdown and as lockdown continues, we're recording this on the 24th of September and Rishi Sunak is literally just as I was 
logging into this call, he was talking about what you'd be doing to support small businesses. So I don't actually know what it is yet, but we need support more than ever, don't we? And when you're working at home on your own, making your products or or working out with the animals, you need to have that support network, don't you? So I think it really, really it can um, really be very lonely. It can Absolutely. be. Lonely. And the beauty is people do reach out just for a quick chat. You know, engagement has been low. Sales have been low. How can I turn it around? And actually, I have no answers. They bring out their own answers just because we've had a cup of tea and a chat together. Yeah, it really is a nice bit of camaraderie. Oh my gosh, camaraderie is such an amazing thing, isn't it? I to- I'm totally, totally with you. Um, and I wanted to ask you as well about that. You've just touched on it, actually, about the resilience and about how people have had that that kind of grit and determination to go on. And I do believe, for me, I think community is part of that. I'm in like a, I've got, a, you know, I've got a Facebook group, and I'm not. I'm, I don't really use Instagram very much. I'm not. I was just. It's not my platform. Um, but I know yours is amazing. You've got a big Instagram community. But what do you think? Um, so we see we kind of support one another don't we through these groups and through these communities but can you kind of tell me any examples of you know how people have been able to stay resilient and who you've been working with over the past over the past like six months or so via puppy post what kind of things has helped them keep going sure so I actually had a really special phone call yesterday one of the brands called me up because she has just taken on a second job because sales had been low And she had toyed with actually shutting the brand down. And she called me up and she said, I'm going to get emotional on this call. So I said, okay, that's fine. Why? I thought she was going to say, you know, she'd had bad news or something. And she said, because I just wanted to let you know, just by chatting to a few of the market store holders, I feel so re-inspired and I've learned some little tips and tricks. And I've now actually started to see more sales being generated that I can't believe the first time we had this conversation, I was toying with shutting the brand down. Yeah. And I think the beauty of it was, it was all just by reaching out to each other and supporting each other yeah people sharing top tips and people sharing how to do things a bit bigger and a bit better that people have been re-inspired we had a zoom meeting together all i welcomed all of the market store holders and i'm actually relaunching my zoom meetings where i've welcomed any small puppy businesses just to share their tips and tricks with each other about what they had done to help themselves get through covid and it was just that very sort of simple well, I redid my marketing campaign. Well, actually, I tidied up my SEO. Well, I reached out to a few people. Really basic, simple stuff. But it actually got them through. Yeah. People needed that kind of fight for survival mode to kick in. And sometimes that's hard to do on your own. But because of a bit of team spirit, it seems that it's it's gone that way for a lot of people, which is exciting. The other thing that's super exciting is we seem to have a new section in the magazine that's doing really well where we introduce people to behind the scenes and the making process yeah and I'm so excited one of the first brands we introduced that concept with she wasn't even selling to the dog arena she was selling just generally she's now relaunched her whole brand with a separate dog only part of her website and she's now doing this full time because she's just inundated with orders. So it just shows by working together and pitching your business and letting people know your story, great things can happen for your business. And the other thing worth mentioning is the amount of juniors that I work with, kids under the age of 16 who are running their own small businesses. It's just phenomenal. We've got our junior puppreneur section. One of the small brands we mentioned early on in the magazine, I think it was issue two, 
It's a 14 year old who sells dog treat boxes. She just celebrated 10,000 followers now. She is, she is going from strength to strength. She attends all the Zoom meetings. She's always got a thirst for knowledge of how to grow her business. Wow. If there's drive, people can do this. Oh my God, that's just remarkable. I think I know that girl actually. I think I might have seen a pop up, a pop, up, pop, up, pop, pop up on Facebook. Oh my gosh. I'm caught between poppies and popping up. Oh my word, I've lost a power of speech. She's a great brand. It's a young girl who runs Bear and Boo. It's just brilliant. Wow, it's just really inspiring, isn't it? So, Alan Sugar, if you're listening, you need to get in touch with this girl. She sounds amazing. That's it. We're actually going to be bringing out in one of the next magazines, I'm having a supplement, which is going to showcase all our under 16 year olds. Wow. I, I'm, I'm just so inspired by all of them. And, you know, I, I see it firsthand as well, because I've got a teenage son who runs his own business. And it's a lot of work to put yourself on the business ladder as a child. Oh my word. Absolutely. When you're struggling school as well. It's a lot of work when you're 44 and that's all you've got to do. <laughs> Crikey. Um, but yeah, I mean, that grit and resilience that you just talked about there is it's really, um, I think it's what a lot of us need to hear at the moment because it's a really tough time and we have just got to, as you know, Dory says, just keep swimming, haven't we? And keep on going and put one foot in front of the other a lot of the time. But help is out there. Um, and, you know, you also, I think, I think as a, as I said, I've been self-employed for like 14 years and for many years I wouldn't ask for help. I do have help now. I've got a business coach and I have a, lots of supportive communities that I'm in. I kind of saw a bit of shame in asking for help and I'm glad that I've got through that now because now I don't see any shame in it. I've been able to do a lot more and really stretch myself. So would you would you kind of agree that, you know, there's no shame in in, in asking for help when you need it? I absolutely agree. And I think the more we can raise this part of the profile of business, I think this is a message that is so worth sharing. Yeah. People come to me for business advice. I've always been in that role for some unusual reason, even within just my community. People come to me for, for different bits and pieces of advice. And they always say to me, you know, how did you get to where you are? Because I did what you're doing. I actually reached out and asked somebody to help me. I'm very lucky that I never felt any shame around that, but I do know a lot of people do. And I want to really urge people to smash that concept. My son, who's turning 18 at the end of the year, he has a mentor. I, I can see how beneficial it is for him working with a mentor. I personally have a business mentor. I think it's very important just to have someone there for you and keep you on the straight and narrow. And also just to kind of give you that kind of goalpost. You put some goals in together and you're always aiming to achieve further forward. I think just by seeing how the stallholders and the community behind Puppy Post are reaching out and talking to each other, it's almost mentoring each other because it's just somebody else on your team. I think it is one of the biggest gifts you can give to yourself having a mentor or a coach. I definitely don't think there's any shame in it. And actually, if you invest in yourself, you've got more to share with other people because you yourself have what to give. Mm. Oh my gosh, absolutely. I wish I'd asked for help sooner, put it that way. So yeah, listen to Rivka and get help if you need it. There's no shame in asking for it. So um, I'm conscious that we've taught, I've taught so much, Rivka. I'm so sorry for twittering on and taking up so much of your time because I know how busy you are. But if people are listening and they aren't already involved and they'd like to get involved with Puppy, Puppy Post and the marketplace, um, what's the best thing for them to do? Well, the best thing to them, for them to do is just reach out. You can mm -hmm. send me an email or a DM. The most important thing to do is to mention that you heard about Puppy Post here over on Rachel Spencer's podcast because I think 
when you network and you mention each other, that's also very powerful. I think you should always utilize when you've made a connection via a connection. You never know who knows who. I think the easiest and simplest way is drop me an email. I'm sure Rachel will add my email details to mm -hmm. the podcast, but it's very simple. Simple. It's info at puppypost.co.uk. Okay. And my Instagram or Facebook is all puppy.post.co.uk. So I'm quite easy to track down. Yes. Yes, don't worry. I will put all of the all of the links so you can get hold of Rivka and find her website and her social media handles in the show notes for this podcast. So if you're listening on an app, swipe up. And if you're listening on your computer, then if you just go to the end of this post, if you go to the end of the blog post, then it will have all of the details um, for Poppy Post on there. So Rivka, it's been awesome talking to you. Um, and I'm really excited about the Christmas market. And I know that my credit card will be getting an absolute battering. I can't wait to see all of the like... I apologise to everybody for that. I know. Don't apologise. It's fine. We can never have too many dog jumpers, dog t-shirts, and our dogs can never have too many bandanas and accessories can they so no. it's really really exciting um, and is there a kind of a big um will the christmas market be starting on a particular date i know it's kind of building up but have you got like a, a date in mind for when the christmas um christmas market is really going to kick off well it's getting exciting on the first of october because okay. the supplement catalog is coming out okay which is another thing i never saw coming but it was just too much to put into one magazine so instead of it being bi-monthly it's kind of landed up being one a month at the moment so we've got another issue of the christmas is coming early edition coming out on the 1st of october so for those of you who are on my mailing list that will be jumping into your inbox if not you'll be able to get it on the website and it's just an amazing showcase of all these fabulous items people have created snuck into that as well is going to be the puppy post directory so you'll get to know who all the brands are mm -hmm. and then there'll be issue six coming out after that sort of november mid-november time okay. which will be our next issue so there, there's just going to be tons of fun stuff coming along but we are open now and if you want to support small brands my suggestion is to shop early so they can start planning fabulous okay Okay, so this podcast will be going out in the probably middle of October. So you'll be able to go, I will link to the um, to the supplement and the direct the brand directory in the show notes as well, because that will be live by then. Um, and yeah, thank you so much, Rivka, for coming on and for talking to me. And I'm really, really looking forward to seeing what happens next for Puppy Post. Fantastic. Been a pleasure to be invited. Thank you for listening to the Publicity for Pet Businesses podcast. For more free resources and ways to promote yourself as a pet entrepreneur, visit www.publicityforpetbusinesses.co.uk.